This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Left wing for Kuzmenko. Going to the goal. In tight, hit the goal post. Rebound for Gerland. He scores! Truba, right wing. Trying to wind into the slot. Lost the puck. Comes back to Keandre Miller. High slot. He scores! Quick wrist shot by Keandre Miller. Beats Archer Silov's glove side. And it's 5 Rangers. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Bovillier, the center for Pedersen, into the Rangers zone. High slot, drops to Kuzmenko with time, shoots, he scores! A wicked wrister from the high slot off the stick of Andre Kuzmenko pulls the Canucks back to within one. The official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Ten goals, an exciting night at Rogers Arena. Goaltending, well, Archer Silovs did what he could. The Canucks did, well, what they've done a lot of the season. That is, a lot of breakdowns, but score a lot of goals, a lot of fun, but they ultimately lose. And with the Arizona Coyotes being victorious in a shootout over the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Canucks with this loss are now the fifth worst team in the National Hockey League in the standings. Yes, this Canucks squad coming into the season with hopes of being a playoff team, with expectations being high. The vibes with Bruce Boudreaux now find themselves in the bottom five of the National Hockey League. And this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah, Bik Nazar will welcome in Randeep Janda into the discussion in just a moment. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. You can also hit us up on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And, you know, Randeep... There's no real negative in terms of, hey, another loss and whoop-dee, we're here. I'd say that the disappointing part was there was some thought that maybe with Arthur Silobs being in goal and how they played against Detroit, that they would be a bit maybe more conservative or a bit more careful or, or more solid in front of their goal and goal. That didn't quite happen, especially in the first half of the game. No, it didn't. I think the opening five minutes, you could see the Canucks were pretty good in the neutral zone. They were limiting the speed of the Rangers at the opening of the game anyways, but once that Zibanejad goal went in to kick off the game or, you know, tie the game, really, uh, it all fell apart defensively and structurally for the Canucks. Yeah. So, you know, I think the idea of that they'd be better in front of their goaltender, I wasn't buying it necessarily based on the fact that the team hasn't shown that defensive structure all year long. Mm-hmm. So I understand, you know, we've seen in the past when Spencer Martin was starting games last year, they were playing a more conservative style. They were playing a little differently. But with what we've seen from this team, from a team defensive perspective, uh, unfortunately for Archer Silovs, he, he didn't get that support. Yeah, I, I got to say a couple of those goals were unlucky as well, the double deflection off of Panarin and, and Shen. But, yeah, they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot, especially against a, a team like the Rangers who are so good in transition. If you give them that opportunity to be aggressive on the forecheck or hit you in transition, they've beaten some really good teams of late. And they'll feast on you. What's their identity? River hockey to some degree. Why would it change just because there's a 21-year-old in the net? And as you said, okay, there's a valiant effort in the early going. It's going to change at some point. And look, goals change games. Joshua goes up, scores that goal, and suddenly here come the Rangers. And in that first period, yeah, there was a flurry. Obviously the Panarin goals, the Benajad. Uh, they get their opportunities and, and score their goals, and it was going to pick up at some point as soon as the scoreline changed. And the Rangers, uh, whenever it felt like whenever they wanted, 
they could put their thumb on the scale and say, hey, we're going to tilt the ice here a little bit and create their chances. And ultimately, uh, they manage the game the rest of the way after the opening 20 for me. And they've got multiple gears, right? That game against Carolina where Carolina's a really good team, the best team probably going back to, what, December 5th, I think, mm-hmm. in the NHL. Yeah. And if they can turn the screws on a team like Carolina, uh, you know they've got that in their repertoire for a, game, a team again, like the Canucks, who have so many defensive flaws that, unfortunately, we saw yet again tonight. We saw it. You saw it in a big way, right? And. One of the things that's been a talking point over these past nine games now with Rick Tockett as the Canucks head coach is they've improved their play overall, right? They're not quite as bad as they were before, and the numbers bear that out. When you look at the analytics, right? And if I were to tell you that five on five, the Canucks had the edge and high danger scoring chances and had the expected goals edge, would you believe me after this game? Uh, based on recent results, yes. Right, right. but, yes. but you know, they did, right? So analytically, they actually had a strong game, quote-unquote. Yeah. But the, the issue lies within what we've been talking about and something that Talk had mentioned today as well. And we can't, I can't wait to hear him post-game again tonight just to see where he's, his mind's at after this game. But egregious mistakes. It's the type of mistakes that are just so bad, the goal is next to assured. And how many of those do we see tonight? With the two-on-one opportunities. And again, yeah, Silov's a couple you should have back. But three of these goals tonight were like, I don't care who's playing in goal, you're, you're probably not making that save. Well, the 2-1 Panarin goal where you have Quinn Hughes along the, the wall, right? And mm-hmm. he's puck's taken off him. Trocek does a good job of winning it. You also look at the positioning of Ethan Bear. And listen, it's Artemi Panarin. This guy's scored four goals in the last game. If it's not Bear, folks, it's got to be somebody that helps out on that side. You can't lose a track of a player like that. So that was the one that, sure, Seelovs didn't look great on this Banajad one after OEL's taken out of the play. Five hole is there for everybody to see. But after that, as a team, you have to be better to support your goaltender. And they let the hottest guy in the league right now, the guy that, unfortunately for the Canucks, won, you know what, one of the stars of the week all by himself. And Seelovs actually tries his best to get back into that play. But when you have breakdowns like that, it's going to be tough. Yeah, and you said terrible errors, right? And what makes them terrible is that these are the fundamentals we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Positioning, getting the puck in deep, and even saying how terrible they are, they're also correctable. And that's the frustrating part is they continue to exhibit these mistakes because they are correctable. But where's the correction coming? Where is the new value plays that this team is supposed to be uh, dedicating their resources to, dedicating their attention to, and it just isn't translating? And look, it's not going to happen overnight. I know I said the other day, like this isn't the Matrix. Don't just download the new information and you're good. (laughs) You're going to have to do the muscle memory of all this. But at the same time, you look at it and say, these are NHL pro-level players. They shouldn't have to go through a walkthrough like practice like they did the other day. They shouldn't have to continually learn the lessons on national TV and say, hey, just got to get the puck in deep. It shouldn't be this difficult, and that's why you have to go through these stretches to, say, identify which people are sticking around and which people aren't. Uh, and that's all true, right? And I'm not taking anything away, but one thing we are doing now, we have this hyper-focus on everything they do, right? Yeah. Hyper-focus on like everything. You shot that didn't get through. You didn't do you this. You say that like it's a bad thing. No, no, I think it's, no, it's a positive, but I think in terms of our evaluation, but at the same time, like you watch every game. Every goal that gets scored gets scored because somebody makes a mistake sure, somewhere yes. along the way, right? Goals don't get scored in the National Hockey League without some mistakes getting made, right? You're not going to be without mistakes on yep. shifts, and I think that's part of part of the truth. But that's but, why I say unforced errors, like yes, like the Garland goal, 
Like, that's Kuzmenko making a play. I get Fox yeah. is kind of out of position, but that's still him making a play. How often do we see other teams making a play on Vancouver rather than the whole play being initiated by a Canucks mistake? And I feel like the lion's share would be, wow, unforced error, unforced error, unforced error. I would love to sit here and say, wow, Chris Kreider makes a play and gets around a guy and, just, hey, look, that happens. This guy who scored 50 goals. We didn't see that tonight. No, we didn't see it, right? And And this is where... There's always this discussion about what the numbers sometimes tell us, especially like the, the very rudimentary yep. analytical stacks, the count, the shot counts and everything, because they don't tell the real story. And that's kind of been the story of this Canucks team, that even when they do make improvements, they're good. They're good to kind of cite and talk about. But until you, you switch and you realize that you can't be making these types of mistakes, right? Yeah. The Myers goal that ha- the, the shot that Myers doesn't get through sometimes that happens. Yeah, you don't get a shot through. Tarasenko, yep, goes the other way. It happens, right? Yeah. That stuff's going to happen. But the other ones, like for instance, uh, this advantage, uh, the Panarin goal. Yep. that's like three different mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, Pedersen doesn't. Get, Pedersen and Bovillier can't get the puck in deep. That's one. Now, do we criticize Hughes? I mean, he's on the wall trying to make a play, defend. Then Ethan Bear. Not the strongest play by Hughes. It's not, it's but, not but, strong, whatever. but whatever. But he doesn't really help. But the out. positioning of Bear is. Mm-hmm. And then Ethan yep. Bear, and this is something else Talk had mentioned. It's one thing for one guy to make a mistake. If a second guy makes, makes a mistake, that's when the goal gets scored. Because that's, like, that's, that's the extra space. So Barry makes the mistake. He goes over. You can say Bavillier's late to make the read to come across. And that's like a sure goal. Those types of things, good teams don't do. Average teams don't let goals like that happen. And that goal, the way that he just creeps towards the left-hand side, that to me is a trust goal, right? A trust oh, yeah, play sure. where you're yeah. essentially saying... Maybe you don't trust that side of the ice to make the play for you. your teammates on that side. So you're saying, okay, how do I how do I jump that and maybe try to ensure that Jimmy VC doesn't get the puck? Mm-hmm. So we're safe. Problem is, you got to trust your teammates at some point. Otherwise, on the ba- you know the back door, you're ripped to shreds. The slippery slope of that too is you're shading over because you're trusting someone to cover you. Yes. yes. While you don't trust someone else to make a play. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's it's breaking lines of logic to assume Beauvillier is going to read that you're coming over. When, by the way, put Colson is applying back pressure. Yeah. The whole point is, like, delay, slow them down, allow the back pressure to get back. So, put Colson's there. And it was just, it was so unnecessary. And then the expectation that someone's going to cover you when you're trying to unnecessarily cover, it's... Getting pulled apart. Yeah. These are the things. Yep. Yeah, pulled apart. I was going to make, uh, I was gonna make a, a quantum type of reference no, here. But you know what? I'll, 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 <laughs> hey, Dan, Dan's the great audience <laughs> for that. I don't know if I, quantum I will, is. I'll, I'll That's say, like a 10.50 p.m. Is. once we turn I'll, the corner I'll, to 11. Remind me later. Sure. Something to do with okay, Schrodinger's right. cap. But I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with We're that. We're still full of energy. <laughs> the people are fired up. I, I, barely, I barely passed math in high school, man. Jo- quantum jo- is not my thing. You should have seen the look Josh gave me. He just moved over. Like the most disapproving look you could ever imagine. But... Before we let you go, Randy, let's also get to the goaltending because that was yep. a big story heading into this game. Arthur Silov's getting his chance. What do we think of uh, the kid and the shot he got tonight? Because, I mean, my takeaway was he got to experience the exact same environment that the other Canucks goalies have been experiencing this past season. Yeah, look at the way that this game went down. And I, we mentioned the, spat, uh, the, you know, the stat earlier, five-plus goals in 26 games this year. So very consistent with what the team has been doing this year. Even over the last six games, guys, they'd have, they've had a des- deficit sorry, of two or three goals in the last six games. When we talk mm-hmm. about what's changed, you know, when we look at the, the underlying numbers, and part of the reason we say, hey, they don't look that bad, it's because other teams are also taking their foot off the gas mm-hmm. in the third period. So that's something you account for. Now, taking all that aside, with Archer Seelovs, it's kind of what you expected. You know, some really good saves. 
Some excellent saves down low, especially early on. Some athletic saves, Very much so. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that save on Lindgren in the third period, he allows a goal on Keandre Miller, almost identical. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit more confident in the third period. It's kind of what I expected from a a goaltender. There's going to be some jittery moments. There's some good moments. I have no issues with starting him because, to your point, Sat, Spencer Martin got the same support. Yeah. Saved, you know, on certain nights. Was in the teens in terms of saves, was in the low 20s. That's exactly where Archer Seelovs is right now. So it's good as a one-off. It's a, all right, you're playing well in the AHL. Here you go. Here's your shot at the NHL. But this is a long-term project. This is something that hopefully, maybe he gets a couple more games down the stretch here at some point in time. But this is a one-off, and you got to work in the AHL to get back. And I don't mind it. But I don't want to see that much more of it this year, anyways. Well, you I, know, I still mind it. You, you still mind? You still mind it? I, I don't mind it. Did the hard practice Tim, yesterday? Massive team coming in. This is not an environment for success, just in general. If this was six games remaining, seven games remaining, okay, I can understand. But throw them out against Chicago. Throw it out against Arizona. Don't throw them out against but, the okay. Rangers. But, 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 but from a player's perspective, if you're playing well. And this is this is in the player's you know perspective a reward. You're getting you're getting the shot at the, sure. the big league, right? But if, if this was about just testing to give him the opportunity to test, see what NHL level yeah. is, don't do it the day after you do a grade school practice. Like we're working through offensive levels of fundamentals here that these guys have to walk them through and say, but, hey, hey, kid, I, I don't here think you Arthur C. loves minds though. Like this is a guy who probably has a short term memory. We'll see. Hey, we'll if, see. If, if I'm making AHL money and I get a chance to make NHL money, yeah. Sure, I wouldn't care, but, but we're not talking about what Archer Silovs cares about. We're talking about the development of a player and the decision-making of an organization. Yeah, That's but wh- the important bit yeah, here. Yeah, the decision-making. Honestly, like one game this far in the season, I don't think it matters. Uh, if, yeah. The one-off game to me doesn't matter. It's it, it just about the decision-making. Like, why in this moment? Like, why was it so important to do it now? Just because Demko's going to be healthy? I don't you could have brought him up. Well, you have a window. You have a window until he's healthy, so you can fill that void, right? Whether Spencer it's a- Martin clearly needs some work in the AHL. Well, to me, the biggest takeaway I got from all of this is how little faith the organization has in the two other goalies right now. Spencer sure. Martin and Colin Delia, and how tired they are of seeing how those guys have been playing. I think that that's kind of my sense of where they're at with it, right? Is this... And I don't think Sidloff's played because this is part of a plan. Yeah. The only reason he played is because those guys have struggled this much. To Bick's point, I mean, if you're looking at it as... This was never scheduled as, oh, this if the season goes bad, on Feb 15, we'll play Arthur Sidloff's. I don't think anybody expected that. And that's fair. I don't think anybody we weren't talking about it until the last practice where Martin was sent down and you're wondering, could could this be where Silovs comes up? But uh, I'm with you, Sad. I don't think as a one-off, I don't, I don't mind it. More than anything, I see it as a, a reward for the player and really short-term memory. Yeah, you get six on you, but I don't think it's going to hurt his development. Well, uh, the Canucks bet. You know what? My, own, my other takeaway, he looks raw. It's only one game, but he looks raw. Like he looks like he's he's gonna ease a ways away. Yeah. That's what it seemed like to me. At you least. need a, probably another year in the HL yeah, just to, of course. to get some more seasoning. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing, no doubt. Uh, hey, Randy, great stuff, man. Calling the game alongside Brendan Bachelor, and we look forward to chatting with you again the next few days. And uh, you know, stay out of trouble. I always come on, come on, boys. Uh, <laughs> Unless I'm out with you guys, then it's always trouble. <laughs> well, we got to do that again, by the way. It's, it's been, been a while. while. It's been a while. It's been, we're too busy working. Everybody's so so busy nowadays. All right, that's Randy Jenna. Canucks lose on home ice six four against the New York Rangers. Rangers winning by two. Empty net goal towards the end. A lot of reaction coming in on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty. We'll get to more of that as the show goes on. Like William and Langley. For the record, Silovs only allowed one more goal than Igor Shosturkin, who was a Vesna winner. We got to count our blessings. That's one. Uh, 
you know, uh, silver lining to take into consideration. It's not too bad. Uh, entertaining tank loss. That's from Lloyd texting in. You, you can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And it's only one game for Artur Silovs, but the thing I keep coming away from more and more watching the goaltending this season, and, and overall the environment's something that has to change and get better, and that's going to be a big part of it. But, you know, they don't have the backup for next season in the organization right now. To me, doesn't look like. Sure, I, I don't want to do the goalie thing all over again. No, it's I, not all over. I'm just saying I don't I, think they have. Like I don't think like if you if you if you were excited to watch Silovs, which is fine, and you thought maybe Silovs can show something and maybe he's gonna play some games this year or play next season. Like I don't think he's that. Like it's mm. only one we can't tell after one game. But he looked raw tonight. You know, rebound control wasn't great. He showed he flashed the athleticism. He flashed a lot of good things with him, like the battle level. He didn't fall apart. He played well towards the end. You know, he. He made some of his bigger saves later in the game. So I actually liked a lot of what I saw from him, but he also showed that there's a lot of work he needs to do. Like, this is a guy who's a year yeah. or two away from maybe being a backup. Like, we're not talking about him being the guy next season. It's too important for him to not play 20 games next year. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. if he was the backup, the expectation is 20, 25 games. It's more important for him to just get 40-plus games anywhere rather than sit behind Thatcher Demko and only get 20, 25 games. Yeah. So from that vantage point, he has to play in the AHL next year and of has course. to play the lion's share of games a lot, in the AHL. A lot of games, right? Uh, this, this text unsigned. Markstrom and Demko looked really bad as well early on, and they got better. And it's true. And, Mar- and Markstrom, when he came, looked dreadful. But then he went down and spent like almost two seasons in the minors before coming back up again. And then when he came back up, he was really good. He was on waivers. Yeah. The Canucks put him on waivers, sending him down. Nobody claimed him, and he worked his game, and he came back up again. So... It just shows you there's work that needs to be done. And it's not the biggest thing when we, when we talk about backup goaltending, especially when Thatcher Demko does come back and we'll see him back up on, on Saturday. But I guess there is a question wrapping up the goaltending part before we move on to some other things here. Does he get sent down after this and Delia just plays on Saturday then? Based on what we saw, I don't think there's any way he starts the game on Saturday and Delia gets sent down. I think with the performance, not that he was horrible, but... Again, those, he looked like a twenty-year-old player playing yeah. in his first NHL game. You and see those other guys also giving up five or six. So there's, um, I, I looked back from going back till 2010 till today. How many 21 and under uh, goalies have gotten their first NHL start? It's 28 guys. Yeah, and so it's a very small list. And by and large, like there aren't, uh, there's some decent performances in there, but. It's, it's a tough environment to step into. It is, and guys need work. And I see people texting in and saying, don't you think nerves played a part into it? For sure. He's only played, he hasn't even played 50 games in the at the AH, AHL level yet. It's 45, right? 45, and, and like 47, e- I think, and a few in the ECHL. Yeah. Like, it's it's not a ton. Thatcher Demko spent, like, better parts of, what, three seasons in the minors before coming up? So it's... You know, you, Jacob Markstrom spent a lot of time in the minors. You just need more time. Goldies need time. And, and Silovs, unfortunately, hasn't played a lot up until this season. So Thatcher Demko played 91, about 91 games before he played in the NHL, really. Over the course of three years? Two years. And then yeah. uh, and he played He played 10 games, 91 games, and he played 10 games in the NHL, then went down and played 16. He spent parts of three seasons, but he played... Over 90 games before playing 10 games in the NHL. 
And that's Thatcher Demko. And he actually moved pretty quickly for goalies. Didn't spend that much time in the minors. So just look at it. He still needs time. Another year to spend spend in the minors. I think that's what he needs. But good for the kid to get an opportunity. We'll hear what the coach has to say about him and uh, how he performed between the pipes for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, the other player that was really under the spotlight and has been for the past few days is Andre Kuzmenko. And we, we saw a bit of everything, right, Vic? We saw the good. I was just going to say. Yeah. We saw the good. We saw some of the bad. But you just can't get past how incredibly talented he is and some of the things he's like. The Connor Garland power play goal, and maybe Adam Fox was kind of playing that a bit soft or whatever, but his edge work and then his stick work, I don't know how he didn't score on that play. He did all the hard work, and then the easy bit was putting it into an almost empty net and goes off the underside of the bar, and good fortune that it lands perfect for Connor Garland. But like I had to rewatch. I know they showed the replay six times because it was that impressive. But I had to watch it every single time to really take in what he did on that play. Yeah, that's a high level skill. That is a high level of skill play and by skating. Andre Kuzmink. Yeah, and skating. You know, he's not the most. He's not the fastest guy, but he's really good on his edges. He's he's dynamic. He has burst, right? He and he can cut. And, and on that play, like the agility is very agile, very yeah. much on showcase because. Again, he's not looking at the goal, and he's below the dot. But he knows because they're on the power play, and he is understanding how many Rangers players are next to him and in front of him, so he knows nobody's going to hit him from behind. Sure. He's completely aware, but it shows you like the, the awareness. Spatial though. awareness, yeah. But then he's so close to Shesterkin that when he turns, he's basically right on top of him and still has the wherewithal to make the deke and get the shot off. And again, it should have went in, but that happens. He was trying to do so much in such short order. Goes off to the other side of the bar. It was the highlight of the night, and I'm glad he got a point out of it because it it was worthy of a point, and it, it was worth the price of admission for people coming to Rogers Arena tonight. And you know what? He, he did get a goal, and what a release on a goal. Nice play by mm-hmm. Patterson and to look, set him up. That's that's the other part we've been always wanted to see. Pick a spot, yes. bury it, and... It wasn't the hardest shot in the world, but it was a really strong shot, obviously. But he, it's it's the type of goal that scorers have those instincts. How do you use your surroundings? Obviously, the release changes. He brings it close to his body, but he puts it through Mikola and yes. uses Mikola as a screen. As a screen. And Shesterkin, you'd expect him to save that a lot of the time. But it kind of handcuffs him a little bit. But again, that's the thing. Like Those are the types of nuanced instincts you want to see from the goal scorer. And here it is, like stacking it on now. He was so phenomenal from the second period onwards. I do think there was you know moments in his game that we can talk about later that you see the things that Tockett stresses and says, oh, you can't do that. But when you make up for it, and especially make up for it on the scoreboard, it's a fun game. Well, I mean, there were a couple of goals he was on the ice against, and I know you and Riccio broke these down during intermission, but you know, just, just a quick mention on him. I think both had similarities in his inability to properly process what to do defensively. He's a bit lost running around in a defensive zone. Like it's like yeah, it's not like he's standing there doing nothing. It's clear he wants to do something. It's just not clear if he knows what he needs to do. I think there's there's a bit of you can see the the wheel spinning in his head and he How just, committed to a decision are you? Yeah, and and I think he kind of gets caught not knowing what to do, so he just kind of gets spinning around a little bit and not in the negative sense that talk it means, but he's just kind of chasing the play. Well, a lot. look, when I hear spinning around 
I think defensive zone. Yeah, as much as we talk too. about, I don't think offensive zone. Offensive zone with yeah. the puck and it's more stopping on pucks. And and so you watch that in the the now Panarin goal, but it's the um, uh, Mikula goal uh, where he shoots it and goes off Shen. Yeah, he works all the way back, which is fantastic. But look at the depth that he gets to. He basically comes all the way to the crease, standing next to Luke Shen. There's no reason. There's no ranger around him. Yeah, there's no reason for him to be there. There's no reason for him to come that that close. Yeah, and so then, okay, how do you course correct? How do you get to your spot? Do you stop start, or do you do a lazy curve, loop back, and then try to loop back into the middle of the ice, and then loop back to the point? You watch that. There's two long loops, and it takes him like he winds up getting to Mikula right as the shot is happening. But he's a quarter of a second slow. And you just look that, hey, did, if you stop at the hashes, would you be in a central spot where you could see the whole play and you didn't have to turn your back to it at all? And then when the puck does work its way to Mikula, you can take a beeline right away. And you're not coming from a deeper spot. And you can charge and make Mikula do something else other than direct the puck towards the net. Well, that's also a lot harder to do, stopping and starting. And Takat's mentioned that. It takes a lot more energy to stop and start. Sure. It's hard. It's a lot harder work. And what it does is it also stops you from having enough energy later to maybe create a rush chance for yourself. But that's the thing. It comes at the sacrifice of you having enough juice for, for offense. But what decision are you making? What's more important? At that point, you've got to make the defensive play. And I think that's the next process for him. But incredible offensive talent for Andre Kuzmenko. But you see on the back end a couple times, defensively, the things he still needs to work on. Uh, a lot here on the text inbox, 650-650, on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Uh, Field de Gisette playing nearly 15, 16 minutes is a prime example of why this team is a bottom feeder. And I think that's part of the issue, too is what are you going to do when you have injuries and you've made some trades? I mean, you traded Bo Horvat away. Ilya Mikheyev's been shut down for the season. Tanner Pearson's injured, and he's on the shelf. So that's you're talking about three top nine forwards that, that are out of your lineup now and, and not here. Curtis Lazar gets injured, leaves the game, doesn't come back tonight. And on the back end, Oliver ekman Larson gets injured, leaves the game, and also does not return. So two other injuries kind of looming for the team. It shouldn't be a surprise, though, with the roster the Canucks have right now, that they are going to struggle to win games, not to mention trying to overcome the bad habits. It's going to be difficult to do all of the things here in this scenario to start to instill these uh, good habits when there's going to be a lot of uh, roster turnover, and I don't even mean by way of transactions like trades, uh, with a couple of bodies now going out, new players coming in, and... How does the just the scar tissue of the season start to add up and players see the finish line and say, here we go again, right? Like another loss. And where are we in the lottery standings? Which, by the way, uh, they improved their lottery odds. So they go to fifth now. So their uh, odds, uh, as of right now, are 8.5%. They have improved because uh, Arizona won in a shootout versus Tampa Bay. And they're tied with 46 points. Arizona has the edge in regulation wins. The Canucks are officially a bottom five team. Correct. That's where the Canucks find themselves. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. And we'll continue here on the postgame show. It's Satyar Shaw with Bicknazar. Canucks lose 6-4 against the Rangers. We're here from head coach Rick Tockett right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Prova, right wing, trying to wind into the slot. Lost the puck, comes back to Keandre Miller. High slot, he scores! Quick wrist shot by Keandre Miller beats Archer Silov's glove side and it's 5-3 Rangers. And the Rangers have another two-goal lead as they put on the pressure in this period on the Canucks. Canucks lose 6-4 on home ice against the New York Rangers, and this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. Before we get to the phone boards, and we are going to get to head coach Rick Talkett as soon as we get that audio available to us, which will be momentarily, hopefully. But what is popping on the text inbox tonight, Bick? It's nonstop right now, 650-650. Into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox that we were talking about Kuzmenko and uh, Matt in Toronto texting in. Do we think Kuzmenko's defensive confusion has something to do with the fact that nobody else is doing their jobs and he gets confused by so many options, desperate for help? I mean, in in the the goal we were referencing, he's just drifting. So that's not necessarily him reading the play. And again, he turns his back on the play, too. Mm -hmm. That's another problem part of it, too. So. for me, no. This is something that he can absolutely uh, be in control of, and he isn't. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, this one, uh, what happened to OEL? Kind of an odd play along the left wall here. He he goes into, he, he's trying to cl- go down to win a puck battle and just kind of awkwardly falls into the boards. Yeah, like I, I don't think Tarasenko did like a reverse hit to engage contact. He just kind of... It was a bit of an awkward. It was an awkward play. Like, oh Not yeah, sure if it's like a non-contact play or something like that. But he kind of went into the boards, and on our vantage point in the TV yeah. broadcast, because the boards are there, you couldn't really see it, and they didn't really show a replay. So uh, we'll see if Rick Tockett talks about it. But uh, he struggled to get to the bench and kind of stuck around for a little bit. Trainers looking at him, and then eventually uh, goes down the hall. Yeah, so, I mean, it didn't look great for him, but like you mentioned, he tried to stick it out on the bench for a while. But at this point in the season, anytime somebody goes down the hall, unless it's something, you know, really minor, the guy's probably going <laughs> to shut it down, and that's what we saw. So we'll see if, it, if it's anything serious or not on that regard. Adam Dirksen from Abbotsford. I was at the game tonight, and again, Myers goes out and does nothing useful for the team. All starting lineup. The starting lineup left me scratching my head. Love the show. Thanks, guys. I mean, uh, did you, did you think Myers had a really poor night? I mean, I'd say the play I didn't like the most was the play where he couldn't get the shot through mm-hmm. that led to the goal going the other way. I don't know if he had a horrible night outside of that this evening. Um, no, I'd say largely unnoticeable. I mean, the you know, I thought Riley. You know, there was the, the play Riley Stillman. He was on the ice for the uh, the goal. Riley Stillman tries to make the hit and misses. Uh, yeah, but that's... He puts himself on the wrong side of the puck. I mean, I think Myers is on the ice for that play. It's not his fault. Well, that's a shot block play. Yes. Uh, where he tries to shoot it and gets blocked. And they come back on the other way. Yes, the same play, right. And he tries to throw a hit. But as far as the defensive part right. of that goal, I mean, Myers kind of gets left out to drive by Riley Stillman. Because usually on a three-on-two, and Quinn Hughes had a great breakup later in a three-on-two, you're trying to slow them down and delay their decision-making, and hopefully your back pressure gets back in time. Obviously, you want to take away as many lanes as you can. Riley Stillman just decides, 
Leroy Jenkins. Let's jump let's into go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's accelerate the decision for Vladimir Tarasenko, who's a renowned point getter in this league. Says, okay, I'll just slide it over to Zabinajad. and misses the hit. By the way, yeah, and, and he puts him instead of trying to hit inside, he's trying to throw outside, and he's completely out overcompensates, of and Tarasenko yeah. just kind of rolls off of it. And Tarasenko, if if Zabinijad doesn't one touch pass that to Kreider, Tarasenko is going to be wide open. Oh. So Riley Sullivan doesn't even take out Tarasenko in that play. No, and I mean, and you know, we we were talking uh, earlier today with Dan about Stillman under Tockett. His numbers again, like the underlying numbers, have been stronger. They're looking better. Right? Like, is he actually playing better? And it's like, no, because even though some of the numbers are better, you look at the egregious mistakes, the type of mistakes a defenseman can't make. Mm-hmm. He makes, and when you make those mistakes, it ends up in the back of your net. That's why defensemen are held to a higher standard. And unless you're a really good offensive defenseman like Quinn Hughes or somebody who can pile up a lot of points, teams are going to live with that. They're not going to live with you making those types of mistakes. And especially if you don't create enough of a bottom line uh, offensively. And that's the issue with Riley Stillman. I don't care what the numbers tell you. When he makes reads like that, and he always makes them, like he always makes one or two of these mistakes every game, and he's lucky if he doesn't end up in the back of your net. That's not an NHL defenseman to me. Yeah, and, and that's why, you know, when we're talking about underlying numbers, too, I do shade towards maybe expected goals rather than the raw high danger chances. Because one high danger chance and one high danger chance, it's how equal are they? Uh, but expected goals like that to me is a very large expected goal. And you look yeah. at this through two periods, Rangers had the sizable expected goals edge. Uh, it wasn't until late, obviously, Vancouver with some score effects get to take advantage of that. Um, but by and large, like the Rangers had their share of chances in the first 40 minutes and then uh, massaged the game away. They did. Uh, the Canucks made it interesting. If you were a fan in the building, you saw 10 goals, an exciting finish. Canucks ultimately lose, improved their draft odds, and you saw Kuzmenko do some stuff. Maybe not the worst night in terms of watching the make for Canucks, despite not winning the game. All right, before for an get- entertainment product, uh, probably we're entertained today. Yeah, uh, and uh, before we get to the head coach, we'll get it ready for you in just a second. Let's go to the phone boards. We have Nigel and Langley. Nigel, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Oh, hey, lively lads. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, so I haven't been around uh, much this year. This is only the, uh, the sixth game I've, uh, sixth or seventh game I've watched this year. Um, and the reason I watched the, tonight's game is because of a new player on the Canucks. Uh, of course, I'm uh, referring to the goalie, Arthur uh, uh, Solov. And, um, you know, I've just become so tired of this team, you know, and they're losing ways. So, you know, so I, I was kind of inspired to watch and see how uh, Arthur's uh, Solov was going to play. And sure, I'm sure that uh, he had no high expectations to win the game against one of the elite teams and one of the elite goalies. But, um, you know, I remember when Mike DiPietro came on and played uh, for the Canucks a couple of years ago in his first game. I think it was against San Jose, and they lost 7-2. Yeah. to two, And his confidence was pretty shaken, and I'm sure that Archers didn't feel any pressure uh, like that uh, to win you know, tonight's game. But I just think it's just very important for the team to, to inject some new players onto the team, whether it's call-ups or trades, you know. And the sooner the better, because like I say, so many people have just lost interest in the Canucks, you know, and, you know, even if they just get some new blood uh, circulating on the team, you know, and, uh, you know, that'll give some, you know, somebody to, 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 you know, give them some excitement, you know, and especially trying to fix the, the, uh, the penalty kill. I think that should be the number one uh, uh, priority. So um, I'll hang up and listen to your response. Later, lads. <laughs> Hi, thanks for the phone call. Uh, Nigel and Langley calling in. And as far as turnover on the roster, we know that it is a work in progress. It is something that they want to do. And 
there have been some injection of uh, new players, like we've seen Anthony Bavillier make his debut as a Canuck. Phil DiGiuseppe made, finally made his debut as a Canuck recently. We saw Artur Silovs, obviously. So, you know, so there now have been a few guys. If this team has its way, Bick, if they can make more trades as well, I think they'll be able to, I mean, they would love to maybe inject two, three more new players into the lineup by the end of the season, just to kind of see what they have. And obviously, obviously for next season, that turnover is going to continue, but that's also easier said than done. What Nigel does touch on, though, is the overall kind of fatigue by people seeing the same thing over sure. and over again and looking for something new to see. And I understand that appetite. It's not going to be sweeping changes as fast as you want, right? And these 27 games might feel like a bit of a crawl, uh, but... Such is the manner that they're in, right? Like, the next big event, basically, for Canucks fans is going to be the draft lottery. Obviously, March 3rd is going to approach here. I think they're going to be less active uh, than you might, because I think we, when we've said over-under one-and-a-half trades, I think you've taken the over, right? Yes. Yeah, and I'm, taking, I mean, I'm taking the under. Yeah, and honestly, day by day, that might look ambitious over sure. one, one-and-a-half. And we'll see. We'll talk more about that later. It's so weeks ahead of the trade deadline. But, but really, yes. the next big day is... The draft lottery. Yes. That's and a big, yeah, for sure. We're still a few months away from that. Yes. No, I mean, and that's going to take some time. Now, before we get to the draft lottery and then we, we continue breaking this game down, head coach Rick Tockett, well, he just met with the media after 6 4 loss on home ice against the Rangers, and here he is post game. He battled. Yeah, tough spot, but he battled. That's what you want from uh, young goalies, you know. Um, you got the call yesterday, flew in, and you battled hard. What was the process or the thought process behind starting him this evening? Uh, just a you know, a little different flavor. Um, you know, Dempsey's going to be coming back soon, and uh, you know he's been playing well down there. Do you expect a little more defensively from your guys, given the fact that it is a young guy making his first start? Well, I mean, there was a couple of plays there that uh, I mean, we're down to five D, and we lost a couple of fours. Guys battled hard. Yeah, you, yeah, you'd like. There's a couple of goals. Um, there's a couple of individuals made some big mistakes, but I think in general, I mean, the guys played hard. You know, I have no problem the way the guys played. Can you just give us any kind of an update on, on the players, Lazar, OEL, Yeah, Lazar, lower body. I, I don't think it's that serious. OEL, same thing, lower body. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't talked to the doctor, so I don't know how severe it is. How valuable do you think? This experience could be as a learning experience going forward for Archers now that he's seen NHL shooting. Yeah, uh, you always give when minor league guys come up, uh, you give them a little taste. It makes a difference. They go down there and the game's a lot. You know, it's, it's slower for them down there. Um, read the pucks more. So yeah, I, I think it's it's always good to give uh, guys a little taste of the NHL. Was part of you concerned though about a kid going in yeah. against a high octane <laughs> offense like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, you don't want to throw them to the wolves. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think he battled, and uh, our team battled. You know, it's a, you know that team's built for the Stanley Cup. You know, we had a couple of guys hurt, and uh, like I said, we had a couple of guys on some mistakes, egregious mistakes. Um, but other than that, I thought we played hard. How much did you like the push in the third period? A lot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Deja Zappi. These guys are getting rewarded. The, the, you know, they're playing hard. They're buying in. You're, you're trying to teach Kuzmenko play without the puck, and yet he has that play where he's stick handling backwards, spins, and puts one off the iron. I mean, in that sense, he is what he is, right? You don't want to take away that element of his game, right? Just I would never. I would keep doing that. Yeah. I need 
it's the other stuff. And uh, but but like I said, he's chipped away. Like he just grabbed me and said, "Hey, more video, coach, more video." So he wants it. He knows. Um, and Goncher has been working on the last two three days. So like I said to you guys, you know, we got to build a foundation, and he's played. You know the way. You know, you know, he's, there's still a lot of way to go, but yeah, he played played well. Rick, this team's 32nd among 32 NHL teams by save percentage this season, and it's actually been far lower than their season average since you took over. When you're trying to install different things defensively and and sell what you want to value defensively, is it tough to do when you're not getting saves and getting results defensively? <coughs> Yeah, I, I mean, listen, the the goalies that are going to their battling, they're trying. I mean, it's, you know, you got – we have a guy here that's battling, and we have another guy that's, you know, is a Vezina Trophy winner. You know, like, I mean, I don't know what more you want from those. They're trying, you know, and our guy will be coming back soon, and he, he's one of the top goalies. So maybe that, that will help. But, um, yeah, you just got to make sure guys don't get deflated, you know, if, if goals are going in and stuff like that. That's good. But like I said, the energy level is really hard. You know, like I said, they, they worked hard tonight. I'm proud of the, our team tonight. Since you've been coaching this team and, and been able to look at what they do and evaluate over the course of a couple of weeks, does this team make it too hard on their goaltenders? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we, we you know, the way, the way we are built, we can have turnovers, you know, and – you know, PD he can't turn pucks over, and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, Millsy and Husey, those guys got to, you know, and I think they've done a nice job, um, but they have to continue to to play a style until we get some people back um, and play a more north south style. I mean, you know, we can't get in shootouts, and obviously we're getting shootouts right now, and we just got to weather the storm. You know, just keep keep chipping away. Like you mentioned, Phil DiGiuseppe, he was yeah. hungry last year in the AHL the whole year gets an opportunity now. How do you keep him hungry? Because it seems like that's what's giving him a lot of success right now. Well, he hasn't shown any <coughs> sign of get, taking uh, the um, foot off the gas. So he's uh, <coughs> he's 29, and he's making the most of his opportunity. I thought he added to that line uh, just a north-south style. I mean, he didn't look tired at all to me. You've name-checked him often. How impressed are you by what he's shown you? <coughs> really impressed. I mean, he just, uh, you know, um, he's added an identity to our team. We need those type of guys to add identity. So, uh, yeah, he's done a nice job. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 6-4 loss on home ice against Rangers and said he was proud of the team's effort but um, uh, talked about what we mentioned, the egregious mistakes, the mistakes that you can't be making. They made a couple of those. They ended up costing the team, but he was happy with his team's performance because, like we mentioned, it wasn't a bad game, right? And, mm-hmm. hey, 10 goals tonight, exciting game on Rogers Arena. Saw some really good things, saw some bad things. But we can get to the Kuzmenko stuff. But what really stood out to me, and I think this is the right thing for him to hone in on, because when we look at what can you change, what do you want to set, it's standards, right, which we talk about. But not so much for Myers or, like, OEL or whatever. It's about Pedersen, Miller, Hughes. He named all three of those guys tonight in terms of Cantor and pucks over, have to make better mistakes. And while we're undermanned the way we are and we have goalies like these and Demko's out, he said one of our best goalies, one of the best goalies, he'll come back. But when we have these deficiencies and shortcomings, puck management is very important. And he essentially is calling on his leadership group, his three main leaders right now, Patterson, Miller, and Hughes, to be better. 
Yeah, and I, we spent a lot of time focusing on the bear aspect of that Panarin goal. Go look at the whole sequence prior to the Rangers even getting the puck. Leas Pedersen stood up at the red line by Jimmy VC. Pods doesn't move the puck. PD gets the puck again on the other side of the boards, inside the zone, yeah. doesn't get it past Jacob Truba. That kicks off the whole transition sequence that leads to Bear kind of shading over and opening up the gap for Panarin. But there's multiple opportunities for Elias Pedersen to get the puck in deep. Doesn't do it. Go to the Keandre Miller goal. In the corner, Jacob Truba has the puck along the boards, and he's facing his own blue line. Pedersen skates up behind him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't protect the inside. We're talking no. about leverage. It's How just, do you stay goal side? Yeah, and, and you're putting yourself in a position where you, all you're helping is maybe puck support a little bit. That if the puck comes loose to you, you but get it's it. not even puck support. But it's right? not. It's but just, you're waiting for a puck to come to you. It's a hope play. Yeah, and Truba's got full control of that puck. Yeah. He's able to cut into the middle. And Jacob Truba is not some water bug out there. That's an oil tanker that needs a little bit of turning. <laughs> so if you're in the right spot, even just. 50% of the way there, you're probably going to be able to make a play in the puck. You, you're not in the right spot. And so Truba's able to turn inside, mishandles the puck, but now you're not in the right spot to jump on that. Mm-hmm. It squirts out to Keandre Miller. He's able to get a shot off, and suddenly uh, a one-goal game turns into a two-goal game. That's discipline. That's knowing your leverage. Protecting the middle of the ice. Yeah. Protecting the guts, as uh, Rick Tockett said. Inside, the inside guys. Someone developed. Someone joked uh, on the second intermission, say, "How many uh, buzz Tockett buzzwords are you gonna guys are <laughs> uh, gonna use on the post game show?" Well, we'll, we'll use few. plenty. We'll use plenty. We'll, uh, coming up, Shorthouse already says, "If they say North South one more time, he's gonna shake his fist very but hard at the radio." Go to the now Lazar goal, but the opening goal of the game, mm-hmm. where J- Dakota Joshua enters the zone and has an opportunity to just. You know, the old pad pass, throw it in on Shesterkin and maybe you get a rebound. But he slides it back to Quinn Hughes. Why? Because he's got Lazar and Nils Oman racing to the middle of the net. Yeah. And Quinn Hughes doesn't dally on the puck, just rifles it towards the net. It just bought them enough time to create some traffic, net front scramble and an mm-hmm. opportunity there with the loose puck. Joshua gets there, goes off Lazar and scores a goal. But that's north-south play. And PDG, all throughout this night, was doing it. Beats out icing in the second period. Yeah. Feeds JT for a slot chance. Probably one that should have been a goal. Another rush opportunity for Field uh, Di Giuseppe. Gets it to, to JT Miller. I don't know how he doesn't score because it's a borderline tap-in. Um, a lot of very direct play. North, south, direct, whatever you want to call it. He was doing it tonight, and that's what this – Coach is wanting, and if you want to earn your way up the lineup, and if you're someone like Kuzmenko and you're someone like Brock Besser, I know there's a lot of complaints coming in about Brock as well. We'll get to those. But someone's getting rewarded. Someone's getting ice time that you should be getting. How and why? Can you apply those principles to your game? Yes. And will you then be rewarded with, with ice time? Because I don't think we're seeing it from a bunch of other players, but right now, Phil Giuseppe is. Yeah, well, he is, and I do think overall, I mean, he needs to be quicker and faster to make an overall impact, but it's more about the mindset. Yeah. And I think right now when you get players do the things they want them to do and they're not making mistakes, I think the coach rewards that and, and wants to show that as an example. But obviously there are things that you want to see do, them do better. And by the way, with PDG is he plays with good angles. Again, we're talking about just natural speed. That's a bit of a, str- a struggle. But when you're playing with good fundamentals and good angles – you make up some of the speed. Mm-hmm. 
like he's a smart hockey player. And when there's engaged contact, he does a pretty good job coming away with the puck or at least prolonging it for some help to be there. When he has the puck, kind of knows where to go and knows what to do. But there's a physical element as far as his natural skating ability that hampers him. But when you can play smart angles, you're going to be ahead of the play sometimes. And what? that's what you notice. There's a reason why he's always involved because he's constantly in the right spots. Yeah, and I mean... You're right about angles. I mean, that's why you don't have to be the fastest skater to still move quickly if you understand the game and understand where to go. And those are the things that can help you out. Mark Stone's uh, not going to win a lot of foot runoff comparing Phil DiGiuseppe to Mark Stone. No, I'm no, saying, of course. Mark but, Stone does not win a lot of foot races. No, but... but he, you notice how the puck always finds Mark Stone somehow? And, you know, I'd say a guy that right now is playing in the minors, the Canucks got in the trade from the Islanders, Atu Ratu. When you watch him play, he's not the fastest skater, but clunky. You see his, his skating needs a lot of work. But he gets to where he needs to get to, and he gets there pretty quickly usually, and he's in the right spot. That's what's more, mostly important for a lot of these guys, but can you still hone in on some of those things? Uh, all right, Bic, uh before we go to the text inbox, Andre Kuzmenko, the coach, you know, he, he gave, he said he played well. Uh, he's been working with Gonchar. He, he's happy with the progress he's making. I'm sure if they go over the video, there'll be stuff that they want him to do better, but uh, it's hard to be overly critical when he showed the dazzle which he showed tonight, Andre Kuzmenko. For sure. I know we were harping on the one play, but there was improvement throughout the course of the game, and obviously with the highlight reel assist uh, shot opportunity, and then the goal, market improvement throughout the course of the game. In-game improvement is massive. Don't get down on your mistakes. And he's got that personality where it's like, okay, coach, I'll, I'll go do the next thing, right? He's got that in him. As much as we're harping on the one mistake, this is a positive game for Andre Kuzmenko. Mm-hmm. And I would say Canucks best player tonight? Certainly the most entertaining. I'd say I'd say so, probably. I mean, the Canucks' most effective player, I'd say, offensively tonight. Sure. Because um, as much as I'd like to say, I don't, I don't love Pedersen's game tonight. I think Miller was all right. I think Garland had a really strong game, to be honest. I thought not only was he good offensively, but defensively helping on the, in the defensive zone and helping getting some some exits and some really nifty stick work. And I've been on Garland a lot this year, but in traffic, winning pucks, getting out of his own zone, making plays, I thought maybe him, him and Kuzmenko, probably, probably the Canucks' two most effective skaters tonight. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, 650-650. Uh, someone texting in here. I just lost it. They just wanted to reference JT. Uh, Christian in Vancouver. Um, I thought it was pretty fair-sided most of the game. Still a lot of poor defensive effort. However, I thought JT had a great back-checking game. Other than a few passes, they were dangerous in front of Vancouver's net. Kuzmenko uh, had a great game. Definitely more noticeable tonight. Overall, fun hockey game, but let's continue the tank. Well, they are. Yeah. They're losing naturally. I like this version of it. Well, they are. I mean, It's not openly tanking, which I hate. Th- no, it's not openly tanking. They... They've just done the things you need to do when the season is going sideways. That's make trades, shut down guys who are injured, and focus in on the process over results. Which, again, like they're practicing tomorrow. They might practice again on Friday. They're playing on Saturday. Talk had even mentioned that the guys might be tired today, but he's not worried about it because he thinks it's more important to get that practice time in. They're not trying to lose games, but winning is not the same priority it was, say, three months ago. 
or hey, a month ago even. We don't even go that far back, right? Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll get back to more of your text messages and the phone board, 604-280-0650. And we are going to get to Canucks players post-game. We'll hear from Arthur Sidlovs. We'll hear from Kuzmenko. Always fun hearing from him and Elias Patterson as the show rolls on here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central post-game show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Drives, left wing for Kuzmenko, going to the goal. In tight, hit the goal post, rebound for Gerland, he scores! It won't count as a power play goal, but Connor Garland gets the Canucks within one. Scoring his 11th of the season. I would keep doing that. I need it's the other stuff. And uh, but but like I said, he's chipped away. Like he just grabbed me and said, hey, "More video, coach. More video." So he wants it. He knows. Um, and Goncher has been working on the last two three days. So like I said to you guys, you know, we got to build a foundation. And he's played. You know the way. You know. You know. He's, there's still a lot of way to go. But yeah, he played played well. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. After a 6-4 loss on home ice against the Rangers, Andre Kuzmenko, a couple of points, a goal, a couple of highlights from the Canucks Russian player. And, well, it's one of those games. The Canucks lose. Exciting night at Rogers Arena. Canucks mostly happy with what they saw in terms of entertainment, but even happier, they're sitting here with the fifth worst record in the National Hockey League, improving their draft odds. And that's the silver lining we're looking at as we... Go deeper and deeper into the season. 27 games remaining. A third of the season still remaining on the season here, Bick. And San Jose will play Vegas tomorrow. And if I've done my math correctly, which uh, at the best of times is fairly dodgy. I apologize. But if they win, they won't jump Vancouver because of they played 56 games. Yeah. So the points percentage is still in favor of San Jose. So it'll take a couple of results for San Jose to leapfrog Vancouver for fourth best odds. So you're still more than a week away probably to, to make that next step if you were. Yeah, and that's kind of where it's at. But you want to give yourself a chance. And right now the Canucks, in terms of how the standings are going, they're giving themsel- themselves a chance if they hit the draft lottery. A lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. Ian and Victoria tanking naturally. Nice one, Bick. I watched it with a sense the boys were getting buried, but they really had some good minutes and came close in the end. That's Ian texting in. Actually, sorry, let me correct. If, uh, if they do win tomorrow, they do leapfrog Vancouver. They do? Okay, there you go. I didn't adjust for the Canucks result right now. No, there you go. There you go. It can't happen. It could be fourth. Worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Brandon and Poco, jokes for 60. Rick Tockett says he wants Vancouver to play a more north-south game while the Canucks have mastered their season going south since October. Can I read this other one? Yes. Uh, jokes for 60. Uh, Jay in New West. Uh, but Colson put as much pressure on the puck tonight as Sat did with the one button on his suit. <laughs> jokes for 60. <laughs> <laughs> Get uh, wrecked, man! I just got owned. Jay, I just got owned. I haven't seen. I gotta. I gotta. Is go that check Jacob Trouba just throwing <laughs> hits at <laughs> yeah, Jacob Trouba? Uh, Jacob Trouba, by the way, two hits on Dakota Joshua. They got beef, man. Uh, and you know what? Uh, I, I fell for Dakota. <laughs> I felt bad for Dakota Joshua that the goal he scored was taken away from him because it yeah. just nicked Curtis Lazar going in. 
You know? Good Selly though too. Good he, was, he was like, "Yeah, we got, <laughs> we got it." Anyway, it was a perfect revenge, right? Yeah. You, you got bear, and you know what? If Truba obliges and fights him, that goal doesn't happen. So, just goes to show. Yeah, stay engaged in the play. <laughs> just because it's a big hit doesn't mean you gotta fight right away. No, for sure. It's not like there was intent to injure. If there's intent to injure, and it's a crummy, dirty play. Drop him. Make sure. There's some retribution. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, when it's a clean hit, I just want to see the play continue. Yeah, I mean that's where I'm at too. Um, just unless it's one of those things, like if it's a clean hit. But if, what if it's a clean hit, but a big hit on Pedersen? If it's look, if it's clean, I don't care who it is. But you kind of if you kind of want. I, guys I understand to why guys do it. That's what I'm saying. You kind there are certain guys like yeah, but that's one of those ones where it's like take a number. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, I, it's it was a clean hit and you did yeah. it twice, right? I mean, it, that's perfectly fine. Uh, uh, Raymond six fifty six fifty north south is the new structure. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like it. Uh, Jeff from Mission. At least this was an exciting loss. I'll take these over the Detroit games uh, for the rest of the season or the Detroit game, the last one at the very least. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, Brock. I, uh, I know that name's been mentioned a few different times. Not a good game. Mm-hmm. Right, like when, when we watch his play, um, there are times where he is engaged and he is moving a bit quicker. He just can't afford not to be at a hundred because if he's not and not producing, it just looks very ineffective. Yeah, he's gonna have to be a guy that's a hundred percent of the effort, hundred percent of the time. Uh, we got a text here: Brock with a tip-in zone on the extra attacker play. Who taught him how to slow the puck down when dumping in? Uh, up a man, and look, there was just a lot of, I don't want to say uneducated, but uninspiring plays, how about that, from Brock tonight, especially when you saw Kuzmenko try to build upon yes, shift after shift after shift and get better, and Phil DiGiuseppe having a strong game, and Connor Garland, like, Connor Garland's been very noticeable uh, these last handful of games here, and starting to be a bit more direct, there's that word again, to the north-south. But you, you see Connor Garland getting into advantageous spots on the ice. It's no longer hanging around in the corners and waiting for passes that may never come or trying to create passes that may never materialize. Other guys are trying to get involved in the play, and it feels like Brock is a bit of a bystander right now. You know, and he doesn't seem to facilitate the play either the way we've seen in the past. There was times in the past where like, he was so good at just recycling possession, and whether it's something as simple as getting it to the point and working towards the middle of the ice or funneling it down low, honestly, you just don't see that from Brock at all. No, we don't. And I don't know if it's it's one of those things where his engagement is depending on him not knowing what his future is, but he seems to exhibit something you've mentioned a lot too, that guys stand around, but when the puck's in, his, in their vicinity, they just come to life. Mm-hmm. And does anybody embody that better than Brock? I, I think the term I used was Frosty the Snowman. Whereas <laughs> yeah. like when the hat goes on, oh, here comes Frosty. Exactly. And when the puck lands on a stick, then it's, okay, how do I go create something? And if he gets a bounce or a goal or something, then, hey, I'm in. I'm in the game. I'm, en- I'm engaged. But how do you get there? And he's not there. And, Maybe it's because of how everything's gone, and he's his, in his mind. He's he's expecting a trade, wanting a trade, but that trade isn't happening anytime soon. It doesn't look like, right? You've uh, got to go show the impetus to solve the problem too. And even when he does get the puck, to be honest, at like this is why we're talking about some uninspiring plays. He doesn't really have the burst to get past people. Yeah, doesn't really have like. Could you see him pulling off even half of what Kuzmenko did today? Oh, not even close. 
No, and and that's why when we look at Kuzmenko and even in compare, comparing him to Garland, even and Garland had a great game. You know, we mentioned I thought he had a very strong game. Maybe great's a too strong a word, but he had a very strong game. I thought a more effective skater, a more dynamic player, better goal scorer. You know, and he's better, I think, in terms of reading off the play and creating. And he's making five and a half. You compare him to Brock Besser, I don't think it's a comparison at all to Brock Besser. The question just is, can you move that guy off your roster one way or another? And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Besser become a better player or go somewhere else. Like, he he looks like a guy who needs a change of scenery. And I know in the past we've had that conversation of, like, trying to do a, a Brock Besser trade, and people have asked, well, if he doesn't fit here, where is he going to fit? Look, there are teams that probably fit a slower style, because the Canucks do want to play up-tempo. And especially now with mm-hmm. Rutherford, Dalvin, and the whole Pittsburgh idea, trying to play fast. There are teams that I think Brock would really fit in, and Washington would be one. You think of how TJ Oshie plays, and TJ Oshie's got a bit more quickness to him, obviously, certainly yes. w- when he was younger. But TJ Oshie has a real valuable role on that team. Yeah. And think of the bumper spot that he plays. That's somewhere I think Brock could thrive in. You have Ovi behind you, so that takes away some eyes off you. You got Backstrom and Kuznetsov who handled the puck. Carlson's got a yeah. bomb off the top. So that one I look at and say, hey, Brock in that kind of spot and that kind of role, that's the type of team that I do think he would thrive in. St. Louis at their peak, like that's a team that you know d- doesn't play the fastest of game, but Brock could succeed there. The Islanders, although they, they're running out of cap space, obviously. Uh, there are teams that, you know, he, he fits a heavier team. Not that he always plays the heaviest, but he's not going to... I don't think he'd survive in Colorado. No, That'd I don't be a think tough so one. Now, you'd get points because it's so fast and there are so many good players there, but you'd be around the puck to get it. But like, look at Arturi Luckinen, look at Nachushkin, look at Rantanen, look at Landeskog, look how those guys play, and that doesn't fit the profile of Brock Besser. Maybe Dallas... Yeah, maybe Dallas. That's a team. I mean, I know Calgary's a team that is interested, mm-hmm. and I don't know how it fits their style, but they're a team that likes him as a as a player. But it's just a matter of like, how do you make it work contract wise? And that's a big issue here when you look at Brock in terms of trying to move mm-hmm. him and 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 trying to find someone a trade like Toffoli is playing there. Yeah, and obviously we saw Brock and Toffoli here in this city. Mm-hmm. That profile, right now, I would imagine. To me, when I hear of Calgary and Brock, I feel like that's a option C, D version, because I know they want someone to play with Huberto, and you probably want someone that's, I'm going to say it, north-south. North-south player, I mean, that's what they need more of. Because Huberto, once he enters the zone, wants to cut in and find someone or create the space himself, or enter space that's been created by someone else. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Brock's going to be that guy. So I just wonder if they run out of options and come back to something like Brock Besser. Well, and... And that's why in the off season, and that's why if Besser really wants that change, he's got to play better, like you mentioned. Like you want that, you want you want to, to force something to happen. You got to be more consistent. And he's had some good games, mm-hmm. right? He's had some good games recently tonight. To the point, people are making in the text inbox. Not really alive. The head coach Rick talking. Well, he was critical of a lot of key players for the Vancouver Canucks tonight, mentioning J.T. Miller, mentioning Quinn Hughes, and also Elias Pettersson. And we'll play back some audio from Elias Pettersson coming up in a second. But another huge storyline for this game was goaltender Artur Silovs playing his first National Hockey League game and. 
it really didn't go his way tonight, right? He was put into a tough spot, but it looked like a goalie, whether he was fighting nerves or not, somebody who was not ready for the big stage yet. You saw a lot of positives. You saw athleticism. You saw him battling through it. But a guy who is very novice still in his development and not quite ready for this stage, but he met with the media post game and he was happy to have this experience. And here's what he had to say after a loss against the Rangers. For sure it's different, like different skills, uh, different like speed. Uh, it was like fun to play, you know, getting that experience. So that's good for me. How much do you think it might help you down the line that at least you have a first-hand experience of what the NHL is going to be like? I think it's going to help me a lot, like uh, because in the long term, because like at least I know what it is, you know. So I know what I can be better at. So I can push myself even more, you know. How nervous were you before? Uh, I wasn't really nervous. I was, like, excited. So excited to play, you know. It's quite the test going up against the Rangers. When they came in winning five in a row. They've got Zibanejad and Panarin. And did you think about that, about the kind of level of talent you were going up against? I was just playing hockey, you know. I was just trying to do my best and, like, trying to shut the, uh, those guys down. On their, for you. their first two goals, were you surprised at the speed and the pace? I, I mean, when you know a guy gives a, a fake shot, next thing the puck's in the net, or there's a cross-ice pass. What did you notice, like on the first two goals, how quickly they kind of evolved at this level? Uh, I think it's like more skill-based. Yeah. You know, it's like they're more patient. They have like better timings, and they're like looking for those like chances with goalie already giving. You've had such a good run in the AHL, but were you surprised to get the start tonight? Uh, I guess, but not really at the same time. You know, The management said I deserve to play, so I got the opportunity to play. How did you feel compared to the first period, to the second period, to the third period? Did you get more comfortable as the game went on? Yeah, for sure. It was like much easier to play, You know, getting in, getting in the rhythm, and like feeling even the puck, feeling the speed. It's like... Was much better, like you know, going to. You don't see it often that a goalie gets a rookie lap. How'd you feel your shots were when you got that rookie lap? I scored at least first one. <laughs> Arthur, is there anything you know now about playing in the NHL that you wouldn't have known three hours ago? Uh, it's hard to say, but it's like always you have to get through that feeling, you know, get get that experience so you can understand it better. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, being more patient, like in this all you have to be really patient because those guys can do a lot of stuff, you know, and score a lot of creative goals. So, You talk about management believing in you. What does that do for your confidence going forward for the rest of the season that they trusted you with this opportunity? Uh, I think it's good. Uh, I just have to keep working, you know, play good games, uh, you know, earn more starts, you know. I can't imagine it's easy to watch Canucks games in Latvia, but was your family staying up and uh, trying to catch this one? Uh, yeah, they were watching. I, I don't know how much they watched, but it was pretty late, you know, like 3 a.m., so I don't know how much they watched. So, yeah. You're the uh, sixth goalie from Latvia in NHL history. What does that mean to you? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really mean anything to me for now.
they got like it's only the beginning so it's just a taste of experience you also appeared in four games at the world championship last year how did that help prepare you for this one uh it's like it was much closer to nhl level so it was good for me good for my experience and like getting the games like that and getting more confident in american hockey league so i think that's a big plus for me Last Friday, you mentioned that you aren't trying to make big changes. You're just trying to make small changes to your game. Is it different when you come to the NHL, or is it still about the same small changes now that you've seen it? I think it's still small things because I think I have enough speed like to be on the play all the time. It's just like just small things, you know, like be more patient. Uh, know the guys who can like pass, who can like shoot, you know. It's like I think it's all about learning, learning the guys who played it here. And with that play, that save you made on Panarin, how good does that feel when you have one of the best scorers in the world and it seemed like you won the one-on-one battle? Um, it always feels good to shut down the top guys. You know? uh, that is Canucks netminder Arthur Silovs after making his NHL debut tonight. 6-4 loss against Rangers. Allowed five. The sixth goal for the Rangers was an empty netter. And, uh, you know, he... he just a shot, by the way. He did. He yeah. tried. He tried. He didn't tried. Didn't get enough height on it. No, he didn't. He that tried. Cool. That would have been cool. But you know, what? I've never seen a goalie score a goal yeah. in the National Hockey League game. Would have been cool to be in the arena to see it. But uh, one of the things that you hear about Silovs when we talk to people in, in Abbotsford and people that have worked with him, very even keeled. And IMAC told a great story on the panel today that he was talking to Ryan Johnson, and the Ryan was saying when they told. Arturs, he's getting uh, the call up to Vancouver, and usually, especially for when a guy plays his first NHL game, it's usually either like huge jubilation or like tears of joy or like shock or something. And apparently, he just said, "Okay, sounds good," and just walked away. Like very, very cool. Okay, thank you. And like, yeah, that's kind of what he is like. And sure. I think that's kind of the, the the personality that does work for a lot of netminders. Goalies are weird, man. They're different, right? <laughs> They're different. You kind of you have to be different. Yeah. If you want to be a goaltender. But that's Arthur Sillow's right attitude after playing his first game uh, as a National Hockey League netminder. Coming up, Shorthouse says he sounds like, like he has a good attitude. And, yeah, uh, it does sound like it there uh, from his post-game media availability. We have a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. And, and you're right, Bick. We spent a lot of time talking about uh, goaltending. Old guy Bruce saying, look at that crap goaltending. And it's true, right? I mean, we all know where this goaltending is at and what they have to do. Um, to get better as a team and, and all the levels of, of improvement, Thatcher Demko is getting near a return. It's going to be interesting to see how much he plays. It looks like, based on everything, he'll back up on Saturday against the Flyers. I don't think we saw anything from Arthur Zilofs tonight that would suggest he's going to be starting and they're going to send Colin Delia down. The best thing for Silovs is to go play hockey More in the games. AHL. Yeah. yeah, you got the game. Whatever, get it out of the Apply way. Apply the things that you learned today. Whatever you learned. Today, whatever you learned today. Yeah, to the AHL for the rest of the season, and then again, I understand why one game for Silovs made sense. Give him a frame of reference to know what the NHL is and how tough you have to work now in the off season. And I heard Woodley with you guys on today talking about how Stuart Skinner yeah. benefited from that a great deal. So this is now a touch point, right? This is how difficult it is. This is how the guys play. These are the things I have to work on. I still would have done it later, but now I'm interested to watch the rest of the way where he is right now in the AHL and where it goes for the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, and when Demko comes back, um, 
I don't know if we're going to see another opportunity for him to play any more games as long as Delia is healthy. If anything, and if anything happens, you probably see Spencer Martin come sure. back up potentially, depending on. You Again, know. it's about games. How exactly. many games can you get in? And for for Seelos, he's going to get more in the AHL. No, and I would also be interested to see how much they play Demko the rest of the season. I mean, for a long stretch there, it turned into a platoon. Yeah. And I wonder if they will do that. From, from October 28th is basically when it turned into a platoon with Martin and Demko, and then didn't happen until uh, December. Uh, December 1st is yeah. when Demko went down. So for basically a month, it was 50-50 split, and then I'll see Martin uh, and Delia were pretty much the rest of the way. Martin obviously took the lion's share early on, but and they were a, com- a, a platoon. So I imagine it'll be, what? 50-50 until maybe Demko finds his game. Takes 60-40, basically. And, you know, and for everybody clamoring for Demko to come back, and of, of course, I mean, he's the best net, netminder and one of the best goalies in the league when he's on top of his game, like we saw last season. But it's going to take some time for him to find his game. He hasn't played in over a month, and he's going without any... Multiple months. Yes, I mean, yes. December multiple, 1st. December 1st, you're going to a couple months. And it's not like he's... You know, gonna, was in a great form before it happened. Through parts of his game, he's trying to kind of fix up. The team's not playing all that well. I mean, it, it might take a handful of starts for him to find his game. And so initially, I wouldn't be surprised we see uh, Demko play his first game, whenever that is. And let, let's send like four goals, a couple of iffy ones, and people sit here again and be like, goaltending cost the Canucks again. I, I guarantee Should you, have kept him out until after the trade I, deadline. Yeah, but it's like, listen, he needs to come back at some yeah. point. And why... What matters? You're losing anyways. So I think instead of sending him down to Abbotsford for a conditioning assignment, just let him work through it here. Does it matter when you're trying to get his game back anyways? 27 games left. Over, under, 13 and a half stars for Thatcher Demko. Under. Yeah, I'll take the under too. Just barely. I'll take, I mean, I think 12. I'll take 12, yeah. Yes. Somebody responded, what does turn into a platoon mean? So platoon means sharing starts, yeah. essentially. So you're alternating starts. It's it's more of a term reserved ultimately for baseball, catchers, where catchers, yeah. where you're talking about, if you, especially you have a lefty bat and righty bat, you platoon, so it depends on the pitching matchup. And if you say platoon for goalies, essentially you're splitting starts, you know, 50-50. 1A, 1B type yeah. scenario. Yes. Uh, this one... Uh I worry that Pedersen will, ne- will not re-sign here and will turn into a trade like the Flames and Panthers. Look how poorly Huberto is playing this year. What makes you think he will want to stay in Vancouver, guys? Well, I mean, part- One, he-, he does like the city. Yes. Two, money talks. Money talks. As and, always. Yeah, and three, you have to have a plan that makes sense to him that he's going to believe in. Yeah. You know? Because he can get the money anywhere. It's just how quickly do you want it? How quickly do you want to secure it? What what level of money are we talking about? Those are the big factors. But more than anything, what he needs is, I think, clarity on direction of the organization. And if he believes in where they're going. And if he does, I think that would lead him to want to stay here. And we'll find out in about five months' time in the summer. The Canucks are going to be very aggressive in trying to get him signed. And if it takes time, then that might create some questions. Because I think money-wise, I don't think the Canucks will have too many concerns giving him what he wants. Uh, 650, 650, Tyler, uh, Canucks players need to start making things tough and making, make playing the Canucks be painful. I don't even care if it means a trip to the box. It is a dead season. Miller could have laid the boom on Rangers first goal, but just turns away and lets them have a free skate. That's from Tyler. I will say that's a good play from Adam Fox. Oh, Adam Fox was, I mean, just incredible play. 
just enough subtlety to open up that space to hit Zabinajad in stride. And just and, and he reads it, and you can say it's and it's not so much that the Canucks four checkers a threat to him, but he he comes at enough of an angle that he just knows just take enough of a hesitation to open up that lane. And I will say, you know, uh, we were talking at the top, and I said. We haven't seen a lot of plays where someone just makes a great play and we want yes. to give him credit. This is one we should probably give him credit. Adam Fox makes an awesome play. He did. And exposes JT in that moment. And it's okay. I yeah. mean, hey, I mean, it's okay for great players to make plays. JT still, I mean, listen, he's... Scored a goal. He scored a goal. He still has some issues, though. We know that, right? Like, and even uh, the coach mentioned that today. And I think it wasn't so much about that play because, hey, that's a great player making great play. But we saw a couple times defensively JT Miller making bad plays coming out of his own zone. There were a couple times... He tried to throw up a pass up the gut and got picked off and could have led to a scoring chance going the other way. So there are a few few moments like that from JT as well, Bick, that I know the coach won't like. Work in progress. Yeah, still some work to do, and he mentioned it, right? And we are going to hear from Canucks players postgame. Andre Kuzmenko had two points, had a nice goal, and also highlight real assist. Well, a shot assist. Really, he's shooting it off the crossbar. We'll hear from him and Elias Patterson plus IMAC as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now, more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC, only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Myers rims it around the far side for Bovillier, the center for Patterson into the Rangers zone. High slot, drops to Kuzmenko with time, shoots, he scores! A wicked wrister from the high slot off the stick of Andre Kuzmenko pulls the Canucks back to within one. It's 5-4. to four. Canucks drop a 6-4 decision on home ice against the Rangers. Here at Rogers Arena, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, it is Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. The final segment of the show, and anytime I hear a giggle from Bick, I always think there's something funny on the text inbox. So yeah, what I'm do you laugh- have for us? I'm laughing at this tweet from Coming Up Shorthouse. Talk it saying, you don't want to throw them to the wolves. Then in the same breath, that team is going to the Stanley Cup. It's like the <laughs> coin toss scene from No Country at Old Men. You don't know what you're talking about, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrific. That's fantastic. Um, Dino text in, regarding the second New York goal, maybe Taka needs to use multiple choice at the next practice. Question, if there's an attacker all alone backdoor, what should you do? A, cover him. B, move all defenders to the opposite side of the ice. Or C, blow to zone. D, continue mentally planning your post-game meal. Take your time. No pressure. That, that's Dino text again. And, uh, you know... It's pretty funny because of all the things you can do, that was like a sign of what not to do in many ways. That was a choose-your-own-adventure book. It was. And listen, like, they don't make that one mistake. Does it? I mean, hey, listen. One mistake begets the next one. It does. And if you don't make that mistake and that doesn't go in against you, do you come away from, with this game? With something from this game? And again, like, hey, for we talk about the reverse standings and getting the higher draft pick, but... If you look at ways to win a hockey game and what could have swung the game the other way, those are the types of moments you can't you can't have. And yes, Silovs could have been better, but at the same time, you're talking about a guy who's never played in the National Hockey League who 
has only played, what, 47 games in the AHL up until till this point. So obviously a lot of work still left for him to do. Now, uh, before we get back to more of your reaction on the text inbox, 650-650, uh, let's get to some post-game audio. Andre Kuzmenko, well, had a strong game, and the head coach gave him some, some credit, and here he is talking about uh, how he felt about how the way he played. What's about this game? Mm, what I think is uh, today... I think Uche is a good game, but as a as a turn good goals, as lose, as a couple rebounds, as a, today we don't have lucky, but uh, I need to every game we step, step, step. Is we need to be better. I know it's a changes tactic, changes plan in the game. Uh, after Bruce is a new coach, yes, but uh, we have to be better. Can you talk about your stick handling on Connor Garland's goal? Your shot went a off the crossbar, but yes, I know. Was... Oh, it's good moment. Good moment for me is uh, is uh, I win and win uh, battle one on one. Is uh, good skills before net. Is uh, Garland nice? Nice work, is a good goal for Garley. Yes, but I have a good moment for me. Yes, and the, the, my goal is a, a good start. Bowie, Bowie pass to Pitties. Uh, I go behind the Pitties. Uh, Pity pass to me is a good moment for me. Yes. Do you, like so getting, do you think like you're getting more confidence from the coach? What's more confidence? That he's believing in you more, that he trusts you more? Yes, I believe. <laughs> What's the question? Yes, I believe, yes. I believe uh, this plan. I believe uh, new staff coach is, uh, I believe, to Vancouver. Yes, I don't uh, believe Vancouver. I don't sign contract. It's uh, so simple. <laughs> yes, and uh, there's one word. We have be better. I have be better. It's, uh, all teams be better. Is it different for you with with Talkit and with Boudreau, does he expect different play from you? What you say about time or what? The two coaches, different styles? Yes, it's different styles, yes, it's different styles. It's a, a lot of work in the different zone, it's okay. It's in the Bruce, it's a lot of work in different zone, but it's a little changes uh, style and uh, play different zone, how we play. It's, uh, but... Uh, so simple is uh, <sighs> one word. Is we need to be better. Yes, is one word. Now we don't good play. Don't good play. Is old team. I think. Andre, you had a great deep on your assist when Connor scored. Yes. Was it, were you disappointed considering the move you made that yeah. hit the post? Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. I don't know what I say. <laughs> yes. I have a skill, yes, a little bit. That is a good moment. Uh, I like it. It's a garlic goal, yes. It's uh, no garlic goal. It doesn't matter uh, what I do. <laughs> it's no goal. Yeah, thank you. When you get a chance to play Panarin, Tarasenko, stars, Russian stars like that, do you want to put on a show? Yes, I want to win Tarasenko, Tarasenko Panarin. That will lose. Thank you. Uh, that is Andre Kuzmenko, two point night tonight, and you know what? His English is improving. Yeah, I gotta say, like I mean, his game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and 
he, he was very happy hearing uh, uh, the credit he got for the nice moves on the Garland goal. And obviously he has he, he showcases a lot of that personality. But I think the quote of that entire availability was, I wouldn't sign a contract here if I didn't believe in the plan. And players that want to achieve are okay with being coached hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you want to get better, you're not worried about it. 100%. And there's someone that's saying, yeah, like I, I'm going to gain confidence through all this. Going to become better through all this. I just like that sunny disposition that he has. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, my minutes got cut. I'm going to go get better. It's and not going to happen right away. But And he's he understands. I mean, he's come in. He's already made a lot of headway in his National Hockey League career. There's more he can make. And he's guaranteed another $11 million the next two years. But he knows he can set himself up for a mega contract after that. Let's say his offense stays at this level, and then he improves in other areas of his game. Teams will be lining up to sign a player like that. Those are guys who get paid, like, real money. So, I mean, th- there's a lot of incentive here for him to become a better all-around player, just for the sake of doing it, but also he's on a two-year deal to set himself up for another contract. And it's easier also to win the affection of the people that are already paying you. So you adhere to the ideals that this organization is trying to set for you. Who's the first person that can line up to pay you? It's yeah. this group. So if you're trying to get paid this time next year, because that's when that opportunity comes in. Mm-hmm. You can extend a year early. Hey, he does all the things they want him to do. This might be the place that gives it to you. He's got a 100-game runway here to try to show, okay, I'm playing the way you want to. Mm-hmm. You want me to play. Well, and even his, his agent, Dan Milstein, kind of said, you know, we can start talking contract next year. There is a real desire for both parties to make this work here long term. That's why it wasn't too hard to get that extension done and everything. And they have a long-term investment here. And I think that's part of the disposition he has. Like, he's very comfortable. He believes in the plan. And they're taking a longer-term approach here with him. And if he becomes a better player at the end of it, it's, it's all worth it. It's not worth trying to win hockey games or end of the season. But you know what it's worth doing? Establishing better levels for your players to reach, especially key players. And 47 points now on the year. Pretty good. Pretty good. He's going to clip 60. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. better than we thought. Remarkable. Fawns in Vancouver. I love Kuzmenko. That's it. That's the text. Fawns keeping it simple. <laughs> simple and simple stupid. It's working out. Uh, <laughs> keep it going. Uh, uh, great stuff on the text inbox, like, like always. Uh, keep that going. We'll try to get back to more of it. But we mentioned Elias Patterson. He also met with the media post game, And, you know, the coach mentioned Elias Patterson said, He's got to be better, and we talk about that that second goal and Ethan Bear making a mistake and everything. But Elias Patterson and Bavillier, they don't get the puck in deep. And those are the types of things you have to do. So there are parts of his game which can improve, and here he is post-game talking about losing 6-4 on home ice against the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean we're close to tie it, but uh, I mean, it falls short. It's a team that's on quite a streak. That's six in a row for them. What's it like to go up against that kind of an offense? I mean, they got some good weapons on the ice, both on the uh, on their D's and forwards. But um, we know that. But uh, I think we we just gotta we just gotta be better. Talk about your goaltender tonight. Yeah, it was great. I mean, obviously it's his first game. Uh, super happy for him. He he played great. We should have helped him more, um, but he kept us in the game throughout the match. And uh, yeah, very happy to see him play well. 
do you feel like um, some of the lessons that Talk tried to impart in the last practice, do you do you think that carried over in the game at all? Do you still think there's a lot of work to do there? I mean, definitely. I mean, it definitely helped. I mean, we, we have a long way to go. Or we have some steps to go to get where we want to be, and he's trying to build our ident- identity for us. And um, and we just got to take it day by day, try to build it, and uh, find what works for us. How difficult is it to make a change like that, especially a change in identity mid-season? I mean, it's it's not like he's asking for um, everybody to change their the way of style of play. It's just like uh, the way he wants us to defend, to be more aggressive, or like to defend all over the ice. So um, hopefully we'll learn faster. The team is at the stage where a lot of guys are still thinking about where they need to be or where they should go instead of it being kind of natural? Maybe. I mean, slight change of systems and maybe guys are thinking on the ice. Can't really answer for them, but uh, I think, um, I don't know, just take it game on game and try to do, and do our best. What about Kuzmenko tonight? Just what some thoughts on his play? Yeah, I mean, he. we know what he can do uh, offensively, and he showed it today again. Um, so it's always great to see when he plays with that kind of energy. When a 21-year-old goaltender comes in for their first game, does it change, in some ways, the effort level and sense of responsibility to defend a certain way? I mean, obviously, uh, you know that it's his first game, but he's he plays here because of a reason he's good. So, um, I mean... Maybe it's in the back of our minds, but I think everybody still play uh, with their best efforts and try to defend as well as they can. When you consider the goaltending that you've received for most of your NHL career with Markey, with Demko, and, and how it's been this season, not, not, not about archers, but across the, the season through four different guys, um, has that been tough with just all the goals going in the other way? Does it feel different as a player on the ice? No, I'm just trying to put pucks in the other net. Um, that's all I focus about and try to keep doing my best to help um, help defend. Obviously, been some goaltenders here, but uh, nothing I can control. You spent a lot of time with Bavillier since he's come here. What do you like about taking passes from him, sending passes to him? What is it about? No, he uh, he's fast. He he uh, creates space for me, um, and uh, I mean he he got skill. He he just works hard all over the ice, and uh, with his speed, he creates space for me. That is Elias Pettersson uh, post game after a loss against Rangers, and and talked about some of his uh, t- line mates in Bavillier and towards the end with his speed and with his ability to create win puck battles and stuff that he helps create some space. Something that Talkit has mentioned here. It is again the cliche North South, you know, go out and do those things. I uh, gave Kuzmenko some praise, but uh, like you mentioned to me, as soon as he was asked about Artur Silovs, he perked up when talking about the young netminder. When talking about the game. And himself, rather downtrodden. Yes. When talking about Beauvillier or Silovs, some energy to Elias Pettersson and uh, something, there you go, uh, to to grasp onto as we do put him a bit under a microscope for the rest of this year, talking about the the leadership role and talking to the media and all that sort of stuff, but perking up and shining some light on some guys that are around him and and looks at, hey, he's here, 
means he's qualified to be here. Yeah, man. And I think everybody's kind of happy. Young guy coming in. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of seen what it's been like for, for the Goldies this year. He gets, he gets a chance and great disposition. And, you know, they were rooting for him. And obviously probably could have played a bit better in front of him at times. But... You know, still they made a game of it, and you know, Silovs can at least hang his head on, hang his hat on, saying it was a one goal game until they scored in the empty netter, and it didn't completely fall apart. Right? You kept him in the game; you had a chance. So, all in all, for, for the young netminder, a great experience playing his first ever National Hockey League game. Now, one of the things that kind of came out, what uh, was asked about when Silovs was meeting with the media, and we played Silovs' his audio in the previous segment that he became the sixth Latvian netminder to play in the National Hockey League. Half of those netminders have played for the Vancouver Canucks now. Let's go. Number one should be an obvious one. Artur Zerbe. There we go. Number two was a bit of a, a I reminder. Knew, yeah, so I knew. I'm like, okay, so I, so I knew Erbe was Latvian, and then Silovs is Latvian. I'm like, there must have been a third goalie. So fast Eddie Gregory, who, who knows his Canucks as well as anybody, he chimed in. Peter Skudra. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the Canucks have had 50% of all Latvian netminders play for their team. The Seelovs being the 50th percent there. Yes. And then throw in uh, Elvis Merzlikens, uh, Kilvlenix, and Christers Goodlevskis as well. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and what? That's like over half of that list is, is recent. Like for the longest time, essentially, it was essentially Skudra and, and Urbe. Essentially, for the longest time. And now you're seeing a few more Latvian goalies. And hopefully we see more of Artur Silovs. The question is, when do we see Artur Silovs play at that level? And uh, I guess that would be a lot of Ian Clark touch as well. Yes. And speaking of Ian, Ian McIntyre just strolled in to the postgame show. As always, ready for his hit. The man we call the closer. And we'll get him available in just a moment as he gets set up to get his headset going. And you know what? When we call somebody in from the bullpen, they got to walk in from the bullpen. And usually Ian McIntyre will just kind of – will just, um, I'd say, regally walk yeah. into the – we got a full studio, house here today, though. And he'll just saunter in, throw the headset on, but a bit more traffic getting to his way. So the closer has sat down, the man we call the triple threat. You saw him on TV, you hear him on radio, and you get to read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. Did you say regally? Yes. I don't even know if that's a word. It is a word. It's never been applied to me, but <laughs> it is a word. There we go. Do you think uh, Silovs enjoyed being called in from the bullpen for this one? <laughs> he did. We know he did. I nice know his paycheck. Like, we I know, know he did. His it bank account been. did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, you know, and, and good for him, and yeah. I think it's a good thing, but he got to experience the NHL and all its Canuck glory with what happens in front of him. Now he knows the horrors the other net miners have suffered through. Well, yeah, I mean, he's... He started the season, obviously, his teammates with, with Colin Delia. I'm sure they've they've had contact. And, uh, of course, Spencer Martin was there last year when when Silovs was struggling to get ice mm-hmm. time, Was became the third goalie in, in Abbotsford and actually had some time in the ECHL. So he's, Silovs is a, is a great story. It's, it's remarkable how far he's come this season, especially when you think that he was a six-round draft yeah. pick just three and a half years ago and, and and got very little playing time his first two seasons to be where he is now. But it just would be such a more positive experience, wouldn't it, if he didn't have to um, 
you know, face open net shots because the Canucks uh, haven't been able to defend. You know, and there were there were two of those goals tonight. The five that beat them, two bounced in off teammates, yeah. deflected past them. Um, one was the opening goal, the the pump pump fake, yeah, by Zabinajad. Who was on a tear? Five five straight games scored after goal. what appeared to be a pretty obvious pick or mm-hmm. interference at the blue line on Kreider. So Zabinajad had full speed, you know, world class player. But then the other two was the three on two that Riley Stillman and Tyler Myers managed to turn into a two on one and then an open net tap in. And uh, the the first Panarin goal on the one-timer back post uncontested after Quinn Hughes made a fairly weak play on mm-hmm. the puck. And uh, VC ended up just taking it uh, uncontested to the middle of the ice yeah. before he dished off. So, you know, those ones those ones are tough, but he he's now uh, had NHL experience. He's played a game at this level, and... He will benefit from it, even with even with the mistakes in front of him. Yeah. Last game we harped on like line changes and wall plays, and tonight it's positionally and getting the puck in deep. And honestly, like one of the things, like that Ethan Bear play on that goal, like he's tucked in too tight, and the later goal, the Keandre Miller one, Pedersen's little too up against the wall, and Truba, it's it's that stuff that. It's going to take some time to get rid of that type of habits in a game. Yeah. You know what they looked like to me tonight? And, you know, I could be wrong on this because it's always dangerous to try to get in someone's head. You guys try to get in my head all the time, but you don't succeed. <laughs> no, we don't. We're not rent-free. <laughs> <laughs> We're paying to be in Ian McIntyre's head. But He's the one it, collecting the it rent. Looked to yeah. me, it looked to me tonight, after the practice yesterday and uh, all that's been said about – you know, stop and go and being mm. in the right position. There's, guys are now uh, a little bit hesitant to do anything. Yeah. You, you, they're trying. Sure. And I thought Pod Colson was a great example. Here's a guy who had played his way onto the first line and just mm. as quickly played his way off of it because he looked, he looked lost tonight. Like he was afraid to do anything in case it was going to take him out of position. So this is part of the transition as well. And, and, and Pod Colson's a very young player, so mm-hmm. it's it's harder for him than it should be for older players. But they seem to be yes. having a hard time too. But it is it is there is transition right now. Clearly, as guys are trying to figure out, I think they know what it is that talk at once, but they got to figure out how to provide that. Mm-hmm. And maybe they can't. And th- and that's part of what we're going to see here in these next couple of months. Maybe there's just some mm-hmm. guys who can't who can't do it the way that that talk it would would like but tonight it's the first time i really noticed that or thought i noticed that that there's a lot of indecision now mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys playing afraid to be in the wrong spot yeah not quite sure where the right spot is but they know they don't want to be in the wrong spot and you know at this level you can't play that way you have to you have to drill and drill and drill and drill so that it's ingrained and and you know, you don't have to think about where you need to be because you instinctively just know. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, when I looked at one of the other storylines of this game and we heard him speak post-game was Andre Kuzmenko. And in many ways, he's been one of the bright spots this season. Elias Pettersson doing his thing has been positive, and there's been other things, obviously. But the Kuzmenko one's been the biggest impact addition, obviously. 
And it's it's clear the head coach wants him to do certain things. But one thing that's also crystal clear is his willingness, Kuzmenko, to do those things. And what, what the biggest takeaway I had from his post-game availability was he wouldn't have signed a two-year contract if he didn't believe in the plan here. And he, he's completely fine with how Tockett's approaching all this and different coaching staff. But it seems like he has a clear understanding of what it's going to take to be a better player. And even more importantly, has a real desire to make sure he meets that. Yeah, not a young age, but obviously a young player. And, yeah. and, and at this level, uh, first year in the NHL, of course he's a young player. Um, but I, I think I think you're right. I think he is is going to be, already is, a, a, a great teammate and a, a good guy to have on your team because he is so willing to do whatever is asked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we talked about it on... TV, you know the the practice Cause yesterday because we're on TV. <laughs> Someday, Bick, you'll get there. You may have to powder your head a little bit, but just to dim the glare. Um, I powder my forehead too. Uh, to that's easy. Yeah, it's listen. It, it's there's just, always it's glare. just a TV thing. Learning yeah. to, <laughs> tricks of the trade. Right. Yeah, just a TV thing. Um, he's, you know, yesterday. When there was this confusion about should he be on the ice, yeah. did he leave early? JT Miller was going to get him. Then Henrik Sedin went and got him because Tockett said he wanted him back. And then Henrik told him, oh, he's actually in the gym doing his workout. And, and then Tockett said, well, that's my fault as coach. I, I should have known that. He's been doing these workouts without complaint. This is something that he does, only him, Yeah. Uh, to try to raise his conditioning and fitness to NHL level because it wasn't at NHL level when the season started. He has done all that without complaint. If whatever talk it asks him to do, he's going to do that without complaint as well. But there is, you know, he's, he's 26 years old. So he has played a long time in pro hockey and he's played a long time in pro hockey yeah. a certain way. And, and that's as you and I talked about on radio, Bick, uh, this <laughs> afternoon, uh, it's it's harder to adjust in some respects when you've you've been, especially in the NHL. And he he's again this is first year, but he's been in pro hockey a long time. It's harder to mm-hmm. adjust if you're 23, 25, 27 years old than if you're 19 or 20. And especially if that adjusting is being done as you're learning the game at the minor league level, then that makes it so much easier when you get to the NHL. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of little details in Kuzmenko's game that he needs to adjust and it's not just about defending yeah it's just about you know when to say when with the puck um i remember an offensive zone face-off play they actually won the draw and he came in from the wing collected the puck and the rangers closed on him quickly and there was a lot of traffic Mm -hmm. there well that's where you you know if if there isn't like an obvious bump it back to the point or a cycle to drop it to someone, you at least put it behind the net. Like you don't want to just lose it in traffic at the face-off circle. And that's what he did. And the Rangers came back and that was, you know, about four plays before one of the New York goals. But the way they got out of their zone and had the Canucks under pressure on a counterattack is just because Kuzmenko um, got too complicated with the puck in traffic in the offensive zone. But he's thinking, you know, he's 160 feet from his net, mm-hmm. and he's got skill to make plays. And we saw the wonderful play he made with his skill on the Connor Garland goal. But 
you know, it's all about moderation and knowing when to do that. When it, when does the risk, when is the risk worthwhile mm-hmm. and and when is it not? So there's a lot of that that he's got to come to grips with. But honestly, in the big scheme of things, like players I'd be worried about, I'm not worried about Andre Kuzmenko. He's going to be just fine. Uh, Phil DiGiuseppe just feels like he's a model. Look at you being all others. positive. I'm usually quite positive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm critical, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to look at the uh, sunshine. Uh, Sat got away with an eye roll because he's on radio right now, not I TV. Ro- but an he, eye roll. He, Sat knows I'm positive. Had an eye Sat roll. knows I'm positive. He's positive. Okay. He, he does. He, Bick does shade positive. He does. Okay. But right. I mean, continue. He, but actually, I was going to take this in a negative tone. Actually, Giuseppe. I was going to say though, like I set you up. You fell for it. Charlie Brown He'd be like he's a quad A player. Come on, Charlie No, what I was going to say is for people that are on this lineup that aren't getting the chances, you shouldn't look much further than someone like Phil Giuseppe who's adhering to all the things that coaching staff is saying. This is how we want to play, and he's doing them and getting rewarded for it. So if you're someone like Brock, if you're someone like, you know, put Colson obviously got bumped today, but that's what you should be trying to follow. Garland, almost anybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, we're out of here. <laughs> that's it. No, All right. that's. I mean, I don't have anything to add to it. Well, how what? How was that negative? You said you're going to be negative. Just for guys like Brock. Oh, it's like yeah. There's a way yeah, to get well, more minutes, and there's a way to be higher up in the lineup. Yeah, but that's where. And I'm not saying that Brock can't do it, but this is what I think the organization wants to find out between now and mm-hmm. the end of the year: which guys, which guys can adjust and adapt, and which guys can't. Now, if you can't do all those things, that 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 say talk at once, can you do enough that you're still on the team? Because you know what? No matter what, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, the best team of the last three years, four years, not everybody's a cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. There's guys on, on mm-hmm. that team, and Kucherov is an example, who don't really do as much in detail work as, as maybe some of the other guys, but look at what else Kucherov does. So You know, you know Kucherov... Connor McDavid has not yet had a season. He will this year. That's been as productive as a season as Kucherov's had. 123 point season Kucherov had. McDavid hasn't hit that yet. Yeah. That just shows you how good he's been. And to oh, your Kucherov's point, Kucherov's a great player, but he's not a cookie cutter. I no, mean, you're Steve right. Stamkos exactly. does a lot more grunt work yeah. and that defensive detail work that most of the Tampa Bay players do. But as as like a star player, he does it far more than what. What mm-hmm. Kucherov does, but Kucherov is is such a gifted player, and he still—it's not like he's loafing defensively. No, you know because Cooper wouldn't play anybody who who just was ignoring the defensive half of the game. I'm just saying he's—that's not his strength. He's kind of, I guess, maybe to my point, he's sort of adapted and and does enough of that, but still has this this incredible skill that makes him valuable, even if he doesn't quite do as much as what some other guys do defensively. Need a baseline of responsibility. And I think that's kind of what they want to see from that's him. That's a good term. You know, like you should tell talk of that. He could use a few more terms. <laughs> yeah, because he's been using a lot of the same ones. Yeah. Well, 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 well he's, he's been, been using a lot of them. <laughs> a lot like, of them, There's yeah. a lot of terminology that we're, we're going to have to have. We, we could, I'm not going to do it right now because I'd screw it up in live radio. But it, there's probably enough material already for a top ten list. Oh, oh yeah, a talk at glossary. Uh, oh yeah, ta- a talk at glossary. Yeah, there yeah, you know. talk at glossary. I like that. That's good. See, we're always we always come up with good ideas close to midnight. It's eleven thirty, so we get to the end of the show. But and the only the only point I'll make is the two goals Kuzmenko was in on the goal he scored and the assist he got. 
I don't think either is a play that we see Besser make. Obviously not the skating one, the, the, the Garland goal. The shot used to be something we used to see. We don't even see that. So, I mean, it's just, you know, the Kuzmenko is on a different level right now, I think, compared to any other winger the Canucks have currently on their roster. Ian, great stuff. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. Which uh, I think I got a byline on, right? You get a credit <laughs> yes. for, for power. You got the power. Yes, it's true. I was going to sing Powered that, by like, Bic. For that 90s song. <laughs> yeah, I got the power. Because my uh, laptop, I discovered, even though it was plugged in, it had been fooling me all night and not actually charging. Yeah, bad cord. And there, there was the danger of the, the full-on catastrophe of me not being able to write tonight for Sportsnet. But because Bic... Had the PDG a, of the uh, had an adapter family. that had an adapter that worked and <laughs> let me have it for a couple hours. I was able to file. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, and that's what happened here tonight. Don't ever say that again. No, I won't. All right, we'll leave it to that. Do you think Talkett will say that at some point? I don't think so. I yeah. think that's too flowery for him. Yeah. All right, uh, Ian. You guys stuff. are good wall guys. <laughs> yeah, but throwing stuff against the wall. That's do you think do he uh, powders up before he goes on the, the uh, press conference? No comment. On TNT, he did. <laughs> All right. He's Big For Nazar. sure he did he on did. television. Of course he did. This uh, is he... television, Big. This happens <laughs> in TV. Yeah. A lot of it is fake. Uh, he's Big Nazar. Check out the People's Show tomorrow on Sportsnet 650. I'm Sat Shaw and Josh Elliott Wolf, both on Canucks tomorrow uh, from, as Josh Elliott Wolf is learning to work and produce at the, <laughs> at the rink. Lena's done a great job of showing, showing him around, but you know, just, just potted down the mic too quickly. But we're back at it on Canuck Central tomorrow. And thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory back at the radio station. This has been the Canuck Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.